Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Well, 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 hello, everybody, and uh, happy St. Patty's Day. Um, March 17, 2015. <laughs> Where did that 19 come from? I don't know. I don't know. It came from somewhere back there. Oh, geez. Um, I hope you're having a good uh, St. Patty's Day. Uh, I haven't had my corned beef yet, but uh, I'm hoping to get to that a little bit later. Um, St. Patty's Day was always a special uh, time for for me and a, and a special friend who I met years and years ago from Palo Alto who who literally drove out from Florida and ended up at our house in California and um, just came into our lives. A beautiful man, uh, Irish Patrick Cunningham. Yeah. So uh, a happy, happy St. Patty's Day, Patrick. Uh, I am going to call you later. So that will be fun. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, it'll be great. Um, we are uh, very excited today to, you know, the world trying to get it together. Uh, it's, the world is, is getting worse and worse in some ways. Um, I think what's been happening lately in the last few years is uh, ever since uh, 9-11, uh, this so the whole terrorist regime and the uh, militant side of, of Islam has uh, really become a kind of national uh, world threat to 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 really the whole world and uh, very confusing. We don't understand often what makes people do these things. Um, the atrocities that happen, the people who are willing to blow themselves up, uh, the mistreatment of other human beings, uh, that is just impossible to fathom. And then you find out it's all tied to religion, and it's tied to a a God, and uh, Allah, who they believe is um, uh, actually uh, commanding them to carry out these acts um, and uh, you go how twisted can this be how what do we do about this whole thing how do we understand it um, this week uh, I got a I got a uh, email from uh, a good friend of mine who uh, is a pastor has been a pastor for a number of years and now he's also he's a, a leader of other pastors has has formed leadership conferences and uh, had a whole uh, leadership organization, set it up himself, and it's really still running now, helping pastors be better equipped at their at what they do. And uh, then he's uh, actually was a pastor for a number of years at his own church, 
in the, in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, and then uh, now he's kind of a pastor at large, filling in interim in between places uh, when people are, are are in between pastors. Um, so he's got a he's got a great gig. It always changes, and uh, every time he sends me an email, I read it. I don't read many emails, but I read Doug's because he's such a great thinker, and he cuts through a lot of the cultural stuff that we uh, get gets mushy when Christianity and culture get mushed together, and sometimes we can't separate it out. We can't hear the truth down through there. And uh, that's what I've always appreciated. Uh, it always gets right right to the point, something you could chew on and think about. And uh, so I was not disappointed to see that he had a prayer uh, in relationship to ISIS, this whole new movement of um, the Islamic State. And uh, I I just, it was just about a page and a half reading and uh I was mesmerized by by it, and, and like other things that Doug has done, it was it it taught me more in a page and a half than I'd I'd heard in talk shows and read in newspapers, and and uh, it was so helpful, at least for me, to be able to put my finger on some things, at least partially answer some questions that I've always had. I don't think we can we can answer them all, but it sure helped me get an. Uh, uh, better understanding of why we have what we have, and I thought, oh, we've got to get Doug uh, on on Block Talk Radio so that uh, we can we can learn from this guy, because we're all dealing with this. Uh, you know, it seems far away on one hand, you know, halfway uh, across the world, but on the other hand, uh, there are Muslims uh, everywhere where we work and live, and how do we relate to them? And there's a lot of people confusing that. There's a lot of people who just assume anyone who is a Muslim is their enemy. And, uh, you know, how do we understand those people in relationship to ISIS and all these other things that are going on? It's, um, it's, a, it's, it's all in our face. It's in our lap. The world is getting smaller. And let's face it. Um, we, we need to know about these things. And so... I would like to welcome my friend Doug Stevens to Blog Talk Radio to talk to us a little bit about this. Doug, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. And now, right now, you are um, you're at home. And where's home? I am. Where? Wasn't in California, again? East Bay, San Francisco, East Bay. Yeah. But then half of your time you're spending in uh, Phoenix, is that right? And you're doing uh, an interim in Phoenix pastor? as right as a transitional pastor there, uh, part time at a church in in Phoenix, having having a great time there. Been there for about six months now. Back great. and forth commuting. How much? Now, how much long does that take? How much longer do you think you're going to end up being at that church? Well, I think I'll I think I'll probably be there the rest of this year. Um, they're coming off of a crisis, and that's why I was invited in. Um, just mm-hmm. wonderful people, and uh, I think we're making good progress. Still have miles to go, but uh, I'm I'm enjoying it a lot. Do you do a lot of that, Doug? A lot of crisis uh, resolution? I, I do some. Um, get in, I have a friend who calls me a crisis junkie. I'm not sure I like that uh, characterization. <laughs> um, 
because I don't really enjoy watching people who are in pain, but I do um, appreciate the possibility of this crisis surfacing some of the truth that's been hidden. And uh, in that um, regard, it's possible to actually make great strides and even find breakthroughs. And when that happens, I, I'm delighted wow. and always amazed at what I believe God is doing behind the scenes, if we'll give him a chance and dare to be honest with each other, Wow, with him. Yeah. Maybe crises, but in some ways, the end result might even be a stronger and deeper understanding of the Lord, would you say? It it could be. It certainly could be stronger. It could be that breakthrough that you're hoping and praying for and didn't believe in. Uh, and sometimes, of course, it gets worse because we continue to make the wrong choices and we stay isolated mm. and alienated and, um, and and give up either on ourselves or on other people or even on the vision God has given us for what he's called us to do. Yeah. That's sad when that yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah. We linger too oh. long in, in, in places of hopelessness, I'm, I'm afraid, and I'd like to uh, be someone who comes alongside and encourages us to uh, uh, to dare to, to do what we probably know we should be doing, but uh, are afraid. There's so much fear these days. We're afraid to take that risk, and uh, you know we we wow. doubt God, of course, but we really probably even more than that doubt ourselves. Wow. Well. Oh my gosh, we could talk about that for the next we, hour. We could. Wanted, but <laughs> we could. So we'll, so we'll have you back for that next time, um, for sure. Um, gosh. Our topic um, tonight, uh, I, I want, to, want you to share a little bit about, obviously you've done some research into this. This just didn't pop off the top of your head here. Um, you've done some research. I think you've been to some areas in the Middle East personally and seen some things. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about um, about about your background and what what is what has been the thing that has um, most contributed to your your helping to to have at least some understanding of uh, what's going on there. Sure. Well, first of all, I, I do not claim to be an expert on the Middle East or on Islam in particular, but it was uh, a little over a year ago, obviously in a much larger context, post 9-11, um, which was a wake-up call for, for us in many ways. But a little over a year ago, this group um, suddenly popped in the news, and the uh, the territory they, they claimed and um, and then took was astonishing to everybody. I think it caught everybody off. Off, uh, off guard, including our president, who first of all called them the, the junior varsity of Al-Qaeda. Um, they're nobody's JV. Uh, they are fanatical and extremely well organized and deeply embedded in, in Islam as they understand Islam in the original text of the Quran and the Hadith, which is the commentary about the uh, about the Quran. And um, from, the, from some of the uh, sources that are close to the uh, first couple of generations, um, so I've learned a lot, forced myself to learn a lot, and uh, my interest is is multifaceted on this topic. First of all, for those who are uh, directly the victims, um, and mm-hmm. I had an opportunity last year to, um, to to go to Jordan with a medical mission team from my church in Davis, where I was uh, a year ago, and uh, that was, of course, refugees... Um, streaming out of Syria because of the civil war in Syria. Um, ISIS was not yet a player, at least not uh, acknowledged. 
Um, but uh, seeing what is happening in that part of the world and then uh, the acceleration of this crisis because of ISIS moving across um, so fast, so quickly, and so brutally across the uh, the landscape, and now mm-hmm. in Iraq as well as Syria, uh, anybody can you know look up the geography there, um, and we've all been caught off guard. So um, I'm interested in that uh, just as a phenomenon in our world, but I'm very interested in that um, from a point of view of of religion um, as a pastor, as a Christian pastor. Um, I'm engaged in a lot of dialogue, and I am wondering, you know, what's going on in other places uh, from pe- people with people uh, from other traditions. And I've had mm-hmm. numbers of conversations with uh, Muslims in America ab- about this, and, and they're as horrified, if not even more so, in, in some ways than I am. But my mm-hmm. ultimate concern really is pastoral, is uh, the church engaged or in some cases not engaged, isolating itself from the world and what's going on in the world. And I don't think that's an option for us, not as I read uh, my Bible and um, recognize, you know, God's concern for the poor, the outcasts, the the, the victims, those who are suffering the worst. Um, So I I have, um, yes, I'm involved in a lot of conflict resolution issues um, in in the community at large and also in churches. I've been to places uh, like Haiti and still involved very much in Haiti, it's not a place that is in conflict, except they are in severe crisis. It's perennial. It's chronic in Haiti, the fourth world country that they are, especially since the earthquake uh, five years ago. I've been to Cambodia, Rwanda, and Bosnia, Israel, Palestine, and then again a year ago in, in Jordan, although Jordan at the time was a very safe place. They've now been drawn into this conflict because of what happened to one of their pilots, and uh, mm-hmm. they are now the sworn enemies of, of ISIS. So they are now in harm's way as well, um, though they're a little beyond their reach at the moment. Who knows what's going to happen? So all of this sort of adds up to a deep concern that we uh, pay attention. Well, what do we do after that, after we become aware? And I think it's our responsibility to become aware of what's going on in our world and to try to understand what's happening um, through the filter of a biblical worldview. How does God view this? What does he care about? Who is who is mm-hmm. suffering and what is our role? What are we what are we called to do? And at the very least, and this was the essence of my article, as you know, was we are called to pray. And I think there are a number of ways in which we can do that. But prayer, which is never passive in the Bible, it's always a way of activating us and sensitizing us, and ultimately, I think, deploying us in some meaningful way to support um, um, the cause of those who are those who are suffering. And we have to think through very carefully how we do that. Uh, Doug, you mentioned just now uh, a little. You just alluded to it, but uh, in um, in the piece that that you wrote, um, I was I was amazed at how many times you referred to uh, these acts of atrocity as being actually called uh, tied to uh, the scriptures or tied to the Quran in some way. Um, Explain a little bit about that. Well, of course, is that, um, you'll have great. Is that everybody? Yeah. Is that everybody's Bible? You know, or is that just a certain? You see what I mean? Is that a certain translation that that these guys are? Well, using? there is. You know, the 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 Quran, the only the only authorized version of the Quran, the only uh, um, 
it is literally the word of God to Muslims. I mean, word for word, it is not written by human beings. Um, we would, as Christians, talk about the Bible as written by human authors who were inspired, but their own personalities come through. And so yeah. we see, um, you know, different different um, points of view as a result of that. We do take it, again, seriously um, as our authority if, if we're, in fact, Christians. But uh, Muslims see the... Uh, um, the Quran in Arabic as literally the very words of God chosen by God and delivered verbatim to uh, Muhammad um, as he began to recite in, under the inspiration of Gabriel, the angel who visited him um, in the 7th century, early in the 7th century AD. People sometimes don't even realize where to, how they place Muhammad. He's six, you know, born 570 AD, and uh, his life continues into the early parts of the 7th century. Um, and that's when the uh, revelations came to him. And so the, it, it's very clear in the Quran, um, you know, what the sanctions are against the infidels and the apostates. And uh, it you know, can get very detailed. And again, I wouldn't claim to be the expert, although I've been doing as much reading as possible and some dialogue and uh, watching how this plays out politically and militarily because... Uh, this group, ISIS, is not hiding what they are doing. In fact, they are um, brandishing um, it as propaganda when they're executing mm -hmm. folks and uh, tormenting people, and they believe they have every right to do that because they are outside of uh, of, of the uh, requirements of God as uh, given to us in the in the Quran. Wow! Well, well, so, so crucifixions. Crucifixions and beheadings yeah. and scour scourgings and um, displacement of peoples is completely authorized from their point of view. There are many Muslims who would disagree with that, of course, and say that they're being yeah. uh, overly literal. But from their point of view, um, and I think um, there's, a, there's a historical sense here that I think we need to appreciate and probably don't know much about, but... Um, Islam has, uh, in, in the countries uh, where Muslims live in the Middle East, have been dominated by the West in so many ways for so long, and also ruled by um, uh, um, dictators uh, who are not really very Muslim. And so we have this uh, um, this, this fierce um, rebellion against all of that and a purification now, uh, at least of the Muslim world, if not the world at large, although there is... Uh, an expansive vision um, in some quarters in Islam about um, the caliphate, which is the description of an Islamic government reaching across, uh, you know, broader and broader regions until the whole world is caught up in um, what is, they, they, as they would see it, God's will. Mm. Mm. So that is obviously the goal of this group. It is the goal of this group, and they're beginning by purging, you know, their own um, Islamic countries or countries that would claim to be uh, predominantly Islamic, um, especially Iraq and uh, uh, and Syria. But what's happening, of course, is there's a, uh, a a deep divide inside Islam between Shia and Sunni. Um, we can talk about some of the differences, but uh, Sunni is the vast majority of, of Muslims would call themselves Sunni, and they would go back. They would want to go back to the original writings of those mm -hmm. who were surrounding the Prophet, as well as the Prophet himself. And Shia, they see as innovators, and uh, those who are compromising with the modern world and with the West, and that is um, that is worthy of death. Ah. 
from okay. the point of view of, of ISIS, not from every the point of view of every Sunni. But again, there are moderate Sunnis and, and okay, the so, militant so Sunnis I, and so on. Okay. Yeah, so ISIS would be would be very very committed Sunni. Deeply, that which is deeply, deeply, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And you have all these varying shades, I guess. Then of uh, you do, and there's uh, there's something of human nature in that. Of wow. course, we know that from any any organization. There's the right, and there's the left, and there's the moderates, mm-hmm. and and uh, depending on what source you begin with. In this case, the Quran. You know, if you take it quite literally, you are authorized. Yeah. Um, to do what Muhammad did um, in the early years, and uh, that is to um, convert by conquest. And so that is what they are attempting to do, and uh, so far have been very successful, although there's a bit of a um, a lull right now in their ability to move forward because of uh, some pushback yeah. from Arab states as well as from us. Yeah. Um, in, early, in the early, was Muhammad uh, involved in militant, Act, action himself, do you know? Or, he was. I, he I, was. Um, okay. He conquered communities. He was expelled from um, uh, Mecca, where uh, the, he originally uh, caught the revelations, and uh, he uh, ran away to uh, Medina with his followers. He was overwhelmed at that point, but he uh, um, he was so successful, and there were tens of thousands who began to follow him. He came back to, to Mecca, and uh, he retook it, and uh, there were bloody battles involved. Interesting. And it was it would it would be it would be um, um, justified as a defensive measure because they were being persecuted in the first place. Yeah. Okay. What is the uh, what is the term caliphate? Caliphate? How do you say caliphate that? Caliphate is is um, the sort of um, grand vision. It's uh, it would be equivalent to the uh, Christian version of kingdom of God. It would be uh-huh. uh, it, it would be a different view of, of how that is how that kingdom is set up though the kingdom of God which is a spiritual reality and uh, requires the voluntary um, um, uh, obedience of those who are under the authority of God who recognize the reign and rule of God in Christ um, in the caliphate uh, no one has to recognize that um, it is uh, imposed by the sword and it is. Uh, mandated by God himself. And so if there is a legitimate caliph, um, in this case al-Baghdadi is the one claiming to be that, um, and uh, you know he has mm-hmm. his uh, religious advisors. Um, yeah. Predominantly uh, among that is a man named uh, al-Adnani, and uh, he will issue, you know, authoritative statements about what is a lot, what is allowed, and that is again according to his reading of um, the Quran and the Hadith, the commentary. Okay, is is one of these guys like the present day Muhammad, or or does that happen? No, no, no that would be blasphemy. That doesn't happen. Uh, okay. You, 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 you don't even mention the name of Muhammad without saying and uh, and blessed be his name. Uh, um, may he experience peace. Um, you you always add that uh, blessing on Muhammad when you mention his name if you're a, yeah. a devoted uh, Muslim, especially if you are um, ISIS or mm-hmm. Sunni um, in general. Um, so, uh, no, they would see themselves as simply servants of and commentators on, but appointed mm-hmm. by God, called by God to uh, now rise up at this moment and uh, and take on the mantle of this um, 
which uh, may be considered a burden, but a necessity now if God has called me. Oh, oh my. Um, to, uh, and, and by the way, um, don't they say the same thing about Jesus? Uh, about, you know, the, the attachment to his name as well? I've heard that. Uh, Jesus, he's in the Arabic, mm-hmm. is a, is the second greatest prophet um, in all of history, and uh, supposedly, again from the Islamic point of view, sets up um, Muhammad and predicts his coming, and then will uh, bookend the experience of Muhammad by coming as the judge at the end of the world. Jesus will. Jesus will come at the end, not Muhammad, but Jesus himself. Jesus, who is sinless, Muhammad was not sinless. Um, uh, Jesus will come back and he will judge the world. And what ISIS believes in particular, because they are very, very much um, oriented toward this apocalyptic vision of they're, they're actually hoping to bring about the end of the world um, and, and the new world will then arise. Jesus will return and he will um, take the side of ISIS because ISIS will have retreated into the city of Jerusalem. This is very specific in their version of the book of Revelation. And the ISIS soldiers now vastly outnumbered, who will be crushed now by the by the pagans who surround them, will be rescued by Jesus, and then uh, they will be vindicated, and then the uh, caliphate will be uh, triumphant. My goodness. Wow. So there is a total rewriting of the story of Jesus, even though he is celebrated huh? in uh, Islam and uh, recognized yeah. as the prophet of peace. Uh, Muhammad would not be called the prophet of peace, but Jesus would be. And so there is a um, there's an admiration of him, but there's a rewriting of of his life and of his story. Christians, if you were to read um, the version of his life in the Quran, you would barely recognize it because so much has been changed. And uh, yeah, uh, so it is. Uh, some would even call uh, Islam a Judeo-Christian heresy because it begins with the affirmations of uh, of the Old Testament and Abraham and Moses and the law and and David, the great king of Israel, and Jesus himself in the Gospels, and then uh, moves beyond that because it is a it is a creed for beginning with, certainly for the Arabs. Now it's become evangelistic. It's for the whole world. But it began there as a way of uplifting the people who were, um, um, you know, living in, in a kind of chaos and a polygamist and uh, had very little hope in this world. And, and Muhammad was, uh, was, the, was the great prophet who came to them and gave them a sense of identity. Um, do you think uh, Do you think these these guys have any sense of pers- their own personal evil? That they have any struggle within themselves uh, to do the right thing, or do we think well, they're, gonna, they're totally you know. blinded by their self righteousness? Uh, what do you think? I'm going to I take my cue from Jesus. From, I'm going to take my cue from Jesus. No, I haven't <laughs> met anyone who um, leans that far in that direction. Um, I would like to. I, I really would. But um, Father, forgive them. They don't. Know, they don't know what they're doing. Is what He said about mm-hmm. those who intended to do Him um, the greatest harm um, and put Him on the cross, uh, which was a conspiracy mm-hmm. of of Romans and Jewish religious leaders. And really, if you take it seriously and, and, and be kind of radical about it, it was all of us because this was uh, a cross that took the penalty for all of us. Um, and um, I, I assume that uh, they are not individually our enemies, although they would see themselves as that, but they are themselves victims of the enemy, um, mm-hmm. of 
of, of Satan, who is real, and by the way, Islam recognizes the reality of, of, of ironically, the reality of Satan and of evil and of and of hell, and uh, they believe they are doing his work, like much like uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus believed he was doing the work of God, um, mm-hmm. and so did it, did it with impunity until God, um, in the form of that vision, as Christ appeared to to Saul, and something dramatic happened there, and and uh, yeah. the rest is history. You know, there were there were some words in uh, in your piece of writing here, Doug, that that really helped me. Uh, get it, or at least understand a lot. Uh, you talked about how um, they are completely confident in the rightness of their mission and method. Yes. And, and and how that kind of thing appeals so much to those without a sense of acceptance, guidance, or hope. And yeah. then this one, this one really hit me. Uh, the, uh, the enchanted by a totalitarian ideology providing Absolute certainty, demanding total allegiance. Uh, I, yeah. Wow, uh, I get that. You know in what? particular, yeah, of... yeah. Ahead, in particular, ahead. young young people who um, are drifting. Um, yeah, and it's certainly more than an economic crisis in the Middle East. That's that's part of the equation here, but it's it's deeper than that. It's more personal. It's it's very emotional. It it's. Uh, um, a recognition of a kind of emptiness and uh, a, a, dis- a profound disillusionment with uh, uh, the current practice of, of a government or a religion that they're acquainted with, and all of a sudden somebody comes along with such a pure vision, uh, offering mm-hmm. such certainty, and uh, suddenly uh, offering me, if I'm a young person, meaning a young man, uh, a young man not only in the Arabic countries um, in the Middle East, but also in Europe and in, in the U.S., you know, people leaving, um, even in some cases a, a few young ladies leaving to join this noble cause. It's very appealing. Yeah. And it says something about the emptiness of of our world at this time, not only in the East, but in the West. And uh, you yeah. know, what is it you believe in? What is it you're willing to give your life for? Because these uh, soldiers, for the most part, expect that they will um, not survive some of these battles, they will not live to see this, but they will be martyred gloriously, and uh, this uh, this hope even gives them um, the uh, the incentive to, to to do what otherwise would be reprehensible. Um, it, it is it is a wonder that somebody doesn't wake up in the middle of uh, some of this uh, some of these horrible um, acts yeah. of violence against uh, against civilians, against uh, children. I've seen the pictures. Yeah. Um, Against women and, and men and, uh, and and those who uh, I mean, it's interesting because in the Quran there's actually a, a, a verse about um, when you capture someone in war you treat them as you would treat your you would hope your own soldiers captured would be treated. Well, that's not happening obviously. The uh, yeah. captured soldiers are for the most part being slaughtered and uh, done so with great ceremony and great fanfare. So uh, you see what happens is is uh, when you get a taste of something called self-righteousness, there is no end to, to how extreme you might behave in service to that to that view. Yeah. I heard you were going to – you almost said something that I think is uh, maybe in all of our, our, our minds and hearts is that uh, doesn't there ever come a question at some point um, that, that, there, that this, there might be something wrong with, with what I'm doing yeah. here? Don't you ever wonder about that? 
Wow. And I do assume that that has happened and uh, that person would be dispatched, I suppose, you know, for betraying because it is absolute yeah. obedience that is required and um it's uh it's just incredibly incredibly sad and I I do think we should be praying for the victims. I think we should be praying for the perpetrators. Um I think we should be praying for the relief workers who are on the edges, you know, in Turkey, in Lebanon, in Jordan, and other places who are trying to do their best. Uh, many of them um Arabs themselves. Uh, Christians and Muslims working together to help those who are suffering. Some of them are coming from other countries, from Europe and from the U.S. And um, um, there, there is, uh, there are heroic people working there uh, who don't necessarily make the headlines, who are doing what other people have done to fight against Ebola and to save people mm-hmm. if by any means mm-hmm. they possibly can. And we should be part of that group, not just hanging our heads, certainly not ignoring it, but praying and then acting as, as God shows us how we can act. Because we are called to be peacemakers. We're called to love those mm-hmm. and, to, and, and to rescue those in any way that God shows us how we could do that. Wow. You know, what can, what can we do here in this country to help combat prejudice in these areas? I, I, I'm going to, I'm, you know, there are places that I run into people who, have such simplistic kind of thinking that uh, Jews good, Arabs are bad. It's that clear. You know, I mean, yeah. how 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 do we help people see things more deeply? Is well, it just education? All, we have to, what? Yeah, we we have to I'm ensure sorry. our own integrity here. We have to scour our own consciences to see where is there a dark corner of prejudice, of judgment, of um, mm. even of indifference. Because I think indifference itself is a sin, as, as much as as wow. actively hurting someone. Indifference is, um, um, and, and sometimes that, of course, goes by the, the term tolerance in our society. We, we're, we're tolerant, which means I really don't care about you, and I don't ah. like you very much, but I grant your right to exist. That is uh, so far from a Christian view in which we're called to actively ah. love and serve and even, if necessary, sacrifice. So it depends. I suppose it depends whether I'm talking to someone who calls himself a Christian herself a Christian or someone who is just yeah. you know, living their life um, trying to make it work here and living you know, in hot pursuit of the American dream. It's hard to pull people out of their complacency until they are personally touched. You have to help them either empathize or give them an experience. And um, I, I like to invite people into conversations where we can talk about that or even um, you know, show them in some way what's happening in their own community. Um, I'm responsible as a pastor to make sure that we create opportunities for people to serve and to cross lines they would never cross ordinarily, because I think uh, the Spirit will stir up something when that happens. Yeah. You say you've been to Palestine. Is that true? Um, have, have been to Israel and uh, the Palestinian territory inside Israel, yes. And now I understand that there there are a number of Christians. Uh, there's a strong church in Palestine. Is that true? A Christian church? Uh, uh, there's well, a Christian college, I know, for one. There is. Bethlehem College, yeah. for example. Um, yeah. Bethlehem itself, people might be uh, surprised to know, um, for those of us who revere that city as the birthplace of Jesus, is is now a walled city. And I don't mean that uh, in the way that you might think, uh, to keep out you know, um, marauders or uh, people to keep them safe. No, it's actually to wall them in. It's like a prison. You can't get into or out of Bethlehem without going through a checkpoint. Um, the wall is an interesting um, um, 
an interesting barrier in Israel. Some would call it um, um, the wall that prevents terrorists from coming into Israel, and they can cite statistics about that. And there's some truth to that. And there are some people, obviously, who mean to do Jews, Jews great harm. There always have been. Uh, Anti-Semitism mm-hmm. is alive and well, unfortunately. But uh, um, there's also um, serious concerns about people who, uh, on the other side, simply because they're Palestinian, are certainly second-class citizens. Um, the reason why Israel does not have a constitution, it literally does not have a written constitution, is because it would have to specify um, citizenship rights, and so it does not do that. Um, it is, it is in fact, occupied territory. And so um, I feel the pain of Jews who talk about the Holocaust. I feel the pain of Palestinians when I meet them who talk about their now... Um, 60, 70-year history of, uh, of trying to survive when they are um, you know, treated so poorly in, in so many cases. Now, that's not true, obviously, of all Jews or all Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Um, no generalization sure. here would be, would be accurate. And there are wonderful people um, living all over that part of the world that we call the Holy Land. But there are mm-hmm. systemic issues. And um, now we've just heard today, of course, is the uh, election in Israel. And we don't know exactly who is one. Looks like kind of neck and neck with Netanyahu, um, who was behind, now kind of catching up today. And uh, some kind of coalition government will be formed. And he has declared that there will never be a Palestinian state while he is um, in charge. So that was kind of a hope that there would be some equality as a result and perhaps the ability to live together peacefully. Some will say that's a pipe dream, but um, I'm going to hold out for for peace. uh, obviously, it's always provisional until the Prince of Peace comes. But I think we're, since we're called to be peacemakers mm-hmm. and to value every human being made in the image of God, yeah. beloved of God, the object of Christ's love, um, you know, we have to we have to step up and uh, and, and speak mm-hmm. that truth in a in a loving way, hoping for redemption and committed to being a part of that if we can be. Yeah. You know, I think it's and there are some wonderful uh, believers there. We stayed with uh, uh, in a, in a home with Palestinian Christians in Bethlehem. For several days, and uh, just just loved them, and also saw the hurt and the pain and the tension. Uh, the father was a nonstop um, chain smoker because he was so uh, worried about everything going on and what might happen next. And they've had enough experience to know that's that's a reality. And we've also sure. talked to uh, we we talked to, to to Jewish people who have have lost um, relatives, um, those loved ones to uh, to terrorist acts. So. Um, Evil is uh, equal opportunity. It's it's all around. But, uh, wow. but ISIS, of course, is is a new brand of evil that a we haven't brand. seen for a while in the world. Although we have seen it in other places, um, going back to the 20th century and into the 21st. And I've visited some of those spots myself and have talked to people who have educated me about what happened and why it happened and and how it must never happen again. And and then we, for some reason, um, it happens and. Some of us sit by and allow it to happen. Um, I, I know that sounds kind of harsh to say, allow it to happen. Am I culpable in this? Well, uh, I don't know, but I, I know that my indifference is not something that uh, is helpful. Uh, going back to a few things that you said earlier, Doug, about especially about the interpretation of the Koran, and I caught you saying that uh, at the same time, some of the leadership, like the military leader, also has a an advisor, like, and it sounded like you were suggesting he might even be a spiritual advisor, perhaps someone who is interpreting the Quran. 
he's interpreting the Quran to him to the military leader. And, yeah, and so then, yeah. Okay. So then, and that's where all those theories about uh, revelation and and they're going to end up in Jerusalem and all that. You know that that it, it seems like then. Am, am I right about this then that that down through history, um, the Quran can be interpreted in various ways then by by people who can then set up a a very strong religious state that 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 is founded basically on the word of god is that right yes it can be interpreted and of course any document whether historical or philosophical or political or religious can be interpreted by people on the right or left we see that all the time so on the left of course are the are the shia who are the innovators and uh um they're they are the ones um Although they would not see themselves as innovators, by the way. They would call themselves the true heirs of Islam. And these are the Ayatollahs in Iran, are Shia. And, uh-huh. uh, and so they would uh, not take a back seat to anybody in terms of their strict interpretation of, um, you know, it's like the Pharisees and the Sadducees back in the day. Um, yeah. The Sadducees were, on, were the left wing, but they also considered themselves the ones who were, you know, Truly understanding how it, how it is to work in the in the real world today, they want to take mm-hmm. they want to take Islam and make it um, make it viable mm-hmm. in, uh, in in this world. Uh, but uh, and of course, it still looks incredibly backwards to us if we look at it from the West. Um, but the Sunni, especially the uh, the Salafists, that's a word I haven't used yet. But those are the those are the uh, among the Sunnis, those who uh, are the strictest. They are the fundamentalists. Mm-hmm. Um, within the Sunni, okay. who look at the Shiites and the Ayatollah and said, "You compromise all over the place. You know, you you you're not even allowed to call yourself Muslim. Uh, you mm. you don't have the right." So yeah, the interpretations, and and ultimately, of course, it's uh, um, the Caliphate will demonstrate its its uh, accuracy or its uh, legitimacy, let us say, because they will in fact conquer a huge part of the world, and that in itself. Um, by the sword, will vindicate um, the rightness of their cause. Okay. Now, Just as it did it for seems, Muhammad. Yeah. Um, it seems to me that ISIS is is more deep, firmly rooted uh, than, than, say, Al-Qaeda was. Um, it, am, I, am I right about that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because they are an offshoot of Al-Qaeda, and... Um, They've they've had lots of uh, conflict with uh, Orthodox Al Qaeda, if you will, which has been uh, fading actually uh, since the mm-hmm. assassination of uh, Osama. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they see themselves, however, as uh, you know, the, the, the mantle is on them. Al Qaeda is a kind of wannabe, and uh, ISIS is the real thing because they're actually taking yeah. land. If you're not taking land, you can't be a caliphate. And therefore, you can't be the true heir of um, um, of the prophecy. Wow. So, what do we do, Doug? <laughs> well, With, uh, we we pray, know, and um, you know, God is God is at work here. God is in control. God is sovereign, <laughs> and we know that uh, movements come and they go, and um, great harm can be done. And we also know that there are um, um, followers of Jesus in the Middle East, and they are under siege. They are uh, living uh, in great danger, um, whether it's in Pakistan um, against the Taliban or whether it's in Egypt, um, wherever it might be. 
Uh, it is it is difficult in Iran, but there are many many Christians, many more probably than we would even guess. Uh, probably many millions actually, and they have to go underground and they have to meet in house churches like they do all over the world in places like China. Um, but there are there are churches um, in. Amman, Jordan, for example, we we were there, and they are doing amazing work um, serving the refugees and sharing uh, the good news and the love of Jesus with those refugees. And there are there's a there's a huge church, for example, just off Tahrir Square in Cairo called Kassir El Dabara, and um, there are thousands of members of this church. They're not Coptic Christians. They're not Orthodox in that sense. They're evangelical. I think they even call themselves Presbyterian. But um, they go out every day um, by the hundreds and serve the community, and they are often protected during, especially during demonstrations, by other Muslims who appreciate them. Mm. Uh, mm. So there is work going on. There is broadcasting going on because uh, uh, broadcasting mm-hmm. knows no no boundaries, no barriers, going on yeah. in places like I- Iran. Um, all of this has to be carefully um, kind of kept kept secret um, so that. Uh, you know, it's not interfered with because it's it's illegal to proselytize in any uh, Muslim country. It's illegal, punishable by death, actually. You can't uh, convert, and we've had uh, instances where someone uh, converts. There's no freedom to convert. Um, you can be a Christian, but only if you come from a Christian community and it has a long tradition. You cannot convert from Islam to Christianity. That's... Uh, um, uh. Uh, be- betrayal of the worst kind and and sub- subjects you to capital punishment um, or or worse. Well, I know or well, worse. What could be worse? Well, worse. there are ways to <laughs> take it worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so boy. I think we uh, pray for our brothers and sisters who are there. Yeah. I think we mm-hmm. pray for um, Muslims who um, apparently, um, in quite large numbers, um, are. We keep hearing stories about uh, people who get visions. Um, you know, God could do whatever he wants, and uh, in the Bible that happened, and uh, it seems like it's ha- happening now, and people are seeing uh, a vision of Jesus, and he's calling to them, and th- many are responding, and then, of course, really? there's the risk of, you know, what what happens, um, and, and there's, there's there's all sorts of ways this happens. When a, when a Muslim meets Jesus, meets Isa, who is already a, a, a revered figure mm-hmm. within his faith, um, he could stay a Muslim uh, culturally, he could even mm-hmm. um, attend the mosque and um, pray to Jesus, mm-hmm. and there are some mm-hmm. who do that. Others feel led to leave, and uh, that's that's a great risk. Um, others have been martyred, of course, and uh, there's even a debate, uh, you know, among Christian missionaries about what should be happening when someone comes to Christ from a Muslim background. You know, what what should they do? What is the best way to disciple them? Wow. Now I can understand why that would be. Uh... That would be debated, and yes. probably, and and Christians feel differently about that, and and who knows who's right, and whether there is a right or not, even. Uh, yeah, I I don't think we should make judgments about that. I really yeah, don't. I think yeah, are, are yeah. able to make their choices, and uh, uh-huh. um, you know, some go to their death because of their confession of faith, and uh, yeah. um, I've, you know, we've we've heard so many reports of those recently. Uh, do you, do you have any uh, based on what your knowledge of this? Do you have any um, leadings about what you wish we would do uh, at the United States would do militarily, uh, or, or do you want to talk about that at all? Uh, what do you have any thoughts 
there or as voting members of a country is there something we we can do from that side of things well i expect our leaders you know to take this this seriously um and i don't mean just the us but but other countries that um you know care about freedom and care about human life the value of human life and i think there is um authorization for intervention when something like rwanda happens where 800,000 mm-hmm. people were killed within the yeah. 60 to 90 day period um slaughtered and the un stood by and did nothing um i was in bosnia and bosnia and the people of bosnia were waiting for outside help it it, it came but it came too late um so i i think there are i i would defer to those who know who have the intelligence and i mean that in the technical sense who who understand you know what mm-hmm. can be done and what has to wait and what kind of coalition should be put together and and uh yeah i think they should be stopped and i think um i think yeah. that would be the right thing i do not believe in salvation by by politics so um i i don't think right. ultimately that's the solution i think salvation is um is something that happens um at a very personal level i think it also influences culture mm-hmm. and i think um uh there's a whole lot more we can do to be those who truly represent Jesus, not only in our own community, not only in our own little home, which is kind of our cocoon, but but out in the world. And there are people who are doing that. In Phoenix, where I was recently, um, mm-hmm. there was a headline about a girl from Prescott, a uh, town nearby Phoenix, who was, uh, and, and, and you all, whoever's listening to this, I'm, I know you saw the article, it was about two weeks ago. She was uh, she was being held by ISIS. She's 20-something years old, being held by ISIS, a humanitarian worker, a woman, a young woman, a Christian, a believer, felt that God had called her to be there, and uh, and her life was taken. And uh, we don't know how, but um, ISIS was somehow responsible. They claimed it was a, it was a, a, a bombing from uh, from the air. So we don't know for sure, but um, to, to, to raise up a generation of young people who will take the gospel that seriously and care about others that much that they would actually risk their lives. Um, mm-hmm. I can't say that I know that what she was doing was, was wise, but sometimes it is the innocence and even the naivete of the young that causes them to do things that the rest of us would consider, um, um, you know, probably not, not a good idea. But um, she yeah. was there and to raise up a generation that cares that much and uh, to unleash them upon uh, their own communities, our communities here, and uh, if if we have opportunities around the world. And I know people who are in those countries embedded and can't even talk about it uh, because they would be expelled, but they're um, undercover, so to speak, and they're doing good work and they're doing business and whatever else they're doing, but they're also representing Jesus even in their relationships. And we just have to be doing that. And we have to be praying more, even though I don't understand fully the mystery of prayer, who does? But uh, God Mm -hmm. cares and heaven Mm -hmm. is moved and something happens on earth when we do. And then we can't help but act on what we've just prayed for, hoping that we can be the answer to our own prayer if God would be so good as to allow us to partner with him. You know, some of those same things that we talked about earlier that are attracting people to ISIS, the sense of uh, uh, those without a sense of acceptance or guidance or hope, uh, finding uh, confidence in the rightness of a mission, and yeah. uh you know absolute certainty and total allegiance you know that that could also apply to a Christian, could it not? Well, I think we're hardwired to act on that passion. I think God made us that way, and we get numbed by yeah. um 
the affluence and materialism of of our part of the world, and um, you know, we end up play, we end up playing it safe and becoming extremely self-centered. So um, I'm I'm not surprised when someone uh, becomes that passionate and risks their life because mm-hmm. we're hardwired. The question is, what causes it? And does it really honor God? And does it really bless people? That's the question. And uh, clearly, with ISIS, it does not. Um, yeah. But uh, with others, it it can and should, and that's true for all of us, whether we're younger or not so young, like me and you, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, geez, I remember in the because you think you're movie. still living in the 1900s. I heard your opening uh, <laughs> statement there. Nineteen, uh, about twenty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh dear. Well, you but know, I know you're. But, drink, I know you're drinking your Guinness right now on this uh, St. Patrick's Day. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Speaking of uh, no, no. But speaking of the Jesus movement, <laughs> that oh, I, mean, were I we? just had to make. I just had to make. Yeah, we were. That there was a point. A point I had to make that. A lot of this, there was a lot of authoritarianism then, um, and a lot of groups that wanted that certainty, that absolute certainty, and uh, yeah. and and I think that's why we had, you know, during the Jesus movement, there were cults, there were not, a, and they were following one guy, who always a all, danger, always a danger, yeah. yes, yeah. So um, didn't, didn't you lead out. one of those for a while, John? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Oh no, not. that was just a cult following in your music. Okay, I I, I know the difference. Yeah, I, I love those were, all in the hand, yeah. yeah, the hand motions to the all day song. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, right, right. right. Well, now we have to be well, very, very careful, very thoughtful, but ultimately, um, well, we gotta know, have something as, to die for too. You know, we it's it's a it's it's. Isn't it a, it's a? There's a balance there. We also have to provide our young people with some with that meaning that this I, I'm willing to die for this. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, what are you what are you willing to live for? What are you living for? And if necessary, um, would you give would you give your life for it? Not not would you take right. life for it? That's that's different. No. You know, and there are yeah. some who allege that, uh, well, the Koran is not all that different than the Old Testament and some of the bloody portions of the Old Testament. And I would recognize superficially that that's true. I mean, that was that was the world back mm-hmm. in the day. But um, let's just set that aside for a moment. Um, I'd love to debate all of that. But when you come to the New Testament and now you have the fulfillment in Jesus and you have the Sermon on the Mount in which he takes all of that and and, and deepens our understanding of what God has always intended. Um, Jesus, if we make him the centerpiece yeah. of our discussion with Muslims, for example, or even with young mm-hmm. people who don't necessarily like the church and are wary of a system called Christianity, but when you introduce yeah. them to Jesus and even even better show them Jesus, all of a sudden we're, we're in a different direction. The atmosphere changes, and there's a willingness yeah. to engage. Almost always, I find, and that's true with Muslims as well, because they're as susceptible, I say that not in a non-manipulative way, to, the, to, to being loved as I am susceptible to being loved, because that's what we all crave, even if we're looking for love in all the wrong places. We, we crave love and acceptance, and where do we find it? And, and how do we then um, ultimately this love and acceptance uh, empower us to use the gifts that we've been given, you know, to bless the world around us? And 
and that's where true fulfillment is found. Um, and certainly, uh, it's possible to start off right and then end up in the wrong place, even with a, a very sincere motive of wanting to do God's will. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why it's mm-hmm. important. Uh, not only it's not only the love part, but it's the truth part. So we we have to yeah. you know put grace and truth together. And uh, the truth will always honor um, love, and love will always respect, you know, the truth. And so there's there's never a conflict between the two of them. And we have, you know, that's difficult to find that convergence. But we're we're told we have to do that. That's what it means to follow to follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Doug, um, you know, we, this all started with a call to prayer, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I would think it would be fitting for us to to uh, close out our time together with a prayer. And uh, yes, uh, I I would love for you to to pray um, right now if you'd be willing and in your prayer because I think you can show us a little bit, teach us by doing how how we can be praying um, for for the world and for this situation that just seems so. Uh, so so uh, confusing to so many people. Yes, it does. Yeah. Well, thank you for the invitation. I will yeah. take a deep breath yeah. and, and do that. <laughs> oh, God, God of Abraham and Moses and David, God of God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we, we, we come to you with heavy hearts because of what we read, what we see, what we hear. It's happening to people by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, and certainly millions, Lord, if we count the displaced and, and the refugees that you that you care about so much, you care about those people, whether they know you or not, recognize you or not, whoever they are, your love just bursts out of your heart because that's who you are, God, and um, we're, we're catching a bit of that right now, and we, we feel your love for them. I, I hope we do. And you invite us to come to you and ask you about that and and plead with you, Lord, as we're doing right now, to um, to rescue those who are being led away to slaughter, to intervene, Lord, um, mm. to to save those who are who are lost in this turmoil that is man-made now in the Middle East. We do pray for the victims, Lord, all of them, men, women, children. Um, combatants, non-combatants, uh, those who are in harm's way, which is so many people right now, and there is such fear there, Lord. There is mm. indeed terror, and um, we 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 pray for that that word coming from you to them. Fear not, because you are with them, Lord. Please be with them. Be close mm. to them, and mm. um, and and let it be known to them that you are there with them. And for those who don't know you personally, that they would come to know you, they would cry out to you as well. We pray for that, whether it be by visions or by a word of scripture um, or by someone talking to them, Lord. However it happens, whatever you want to do, Lord, please do it and pour Mm -hmm. yourself into that, pour your spirit into that part of the the world that is now on fire, God. And uh, we even dare to pray for, as Jesus taught us, to pray for our enemies, um, those who see the rest of the world as their enemy. 
And we pray, Lord, because they can't know what they're doing. They couldn't do these things and really understand what they are doing. They've lost their humanity, and it's been taken from them. They've been robbed, Lord, of their own dignity, even as they steal the dignity of others. And we pray for them, that some of them at least would be rescued, that they would come out of the darkness, God, and see that, in fact, this prophet Jesus, as they know him, is in fact the Prince of Peace and Savior of the world who loves Muslims deeply, deeply, Mm. far more deeply than anyone else ever could, Lord. We can stand at the grave of Muhammad, but there is no grave that can contain Jesus. And so, Mm. Lord, you are alive and you uh, you are conquering by love even today. And so would you rouse us, especially those of us here in America, in the U.S., would you rouse us to prayer? Would you rouse us to care? Would you rouse us to show the love that only comes Mm -hmm. from you? I pray this all in the name of Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. Uh, Amen. Oh, my gosh. Doug. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Well, thanks for this conversation, John. It's um, good connecting with you, and uh, I hope it's engaging for anybody who's been listening and perhaps will stir up at least some curiosity, if not some deep passion about yes. um, what is happening in our world right now. This is so urgent. Yeah. And I want to pray as well then for those, not only who might be listening, but for those who will listen, because there, there are a lot of people who will be hearing this uh, after, after the fact. And, um, and uh, just that you would, Touch them, Lord, and lead them to think like Christ, to love like Christ, to be like Christ in the world in which they live. And uh, just thank you for what our brother Doug has taught us uh, tonight and uh, continue to uh, capture our hearts and to teach us how to love and how to think about people as as you do, that we might have your heart for the world. In your name, amen. Yeah. Well, Doug, Doug, thank you so much. Thank you, John. Um, yeah, look forward to talking with you again soon sometime. All right, we'd love to do it. Okay, brother, thanks. All right. All right, yeah. good night. Good night. Well, there we go, folks. The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together.